So today is uh, Family Worship Sunday, and so we are going to try to involve everybody, so make sure everybody has one of those pieces of paper. Everybody's going to use it at some point. Um, kiddos, make sure you're listening for how you're going to use that piece of paper uh, for the instructions that come up later. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to be able to participate together in this. Um, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, so we're going to kind of try to fly through all of this. Um, so let's, let's start with the prayer and uh, ask that, that God can help me. Uh, get all this material out today. <laughs> Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the blessings that you give us. We thank you for, for giving us so much. God, we pray now that as we, uh, we dig into your word and we listen at this time, I pray that uh, you will speak to us in really powerful ways, that you will, um, you will touch our hearts and uh, we will hear from you in ways that we haven't heard before. Um, God, I pray for just a, a, a spirit of, of openness to rest on this place as we have this conversation about stewardship and the things that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we are in this series titled The Core, where we're going through these core beliefs. And, and last weekend we addressed this question of, of poverty and injustice. Uh, it was one of those topics that really started to stretch us as we think about how do we, as the followers of Jesus, handle uh, the poor and, and those who are marginalized in, in the world around us. There, there's such challenges that we're up against in the world around us. It doesn't take very long to look and see the brokenness of the world around us. And so we talked about how, as we approach this subject, we have to take on action. We have to do something that comes out of the overflow of the heart. That we can be really busy doing a lot of things, we can write a lot of checks, or we can do whatever, but, but it's really about the heart that we have for others. And it's from that heart that we act. That's what we see Jesus doing. And so last week, we, we had this core belief that we talked about, and let's read this out loud together. I believe God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in need. Now, that's one of those statements that we can say very easily, that we believe these things, uh, but, but what does it do in our hearts, and how does that translate into action? And so we had a great conversation last week about, about what it means to show compassion. Um, one of the things that I have found is uh, typically I preach a sermon, and then that afternoon, maybe Monday, but usually that afternoon, I am significantly tested in the things that I have just preached on. And so I'm hoping that maybe you have experienced similar things, so I'm not the only one having to go through those painful Sunday afternoons. So... So how many of you were really challenged by what we talked about last week as we talked about compassion for the poor? So it was a, it was a very challenging thing. How many of you found yourselves uh, with an opportunity this last week to put that into practice in a way that you did not anticipate, right? So, so things come up through the course of the week. Several things came up. I felt like I had more uh, pastoral counseling-type meetings throughout the course of last week than I've had in the months leading up to it. Uh, where I had to show uh, great compassion to people. And so, so God gives us these opportunities to test the things that we say we believe, right? And so as you go into this week, I want you to prepare for and pray for God to give you opportunities 
to do what we're talking about this morning. That's, I, I'm getting some looks like, really? Do you really want to pray for that? Yes, let's really pray for that. And be prepared for the challenges that come up with that. And so today we take this uh, topic of the heart of compassion and go one step further in this progression of belief. You can kind of see how these have built over the last 10 weeks, one onto the other, onto the other. And today we're going to explore this question of what is God's call for my life? What, what is his call on my life? We can say that God calls Christians to something, and it becomes very general, but specifically for me, what is God calling me to do? We know from the previous weeks that we've talked about that God has a plan to use his church for his purposes, and he loves all of humanity, and he wants to bless humanity. He wants to use the church to do that, and that he calls his followers to show compassion but what does that mean for us individually? For each and every one of us, what is God calling us to do? Psalm 24 tells us, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So is there any question as to who created the world? God created the world, and because God creates the world, God owns the world. Everything is his, and everything in it. And so we see that God is owner. It all belongs to him. And so anything that we think that we have, anything that we think we own, anything that we have some sort of deed or something for that says we own it, you're wrong. You don't own anything. It's all God's. Everything is his. And so when we enter into a relationship with God, we realize that we have nothing, that we are completely and totally dependent on God and his grace. And so when we enter into that relationship with him, we turn everything over to him. Everything is his. And it's his anyway. We're just acknowledging reality. And so we get to our core belief for today, and I don't want you to say this one with me yet until you're sure you believe it, because this one will stretch you. I believe everything I am and everything I own belongs to God. Everything that I am, everything that I own, it belongs to God. Now we say that. How does that translate into our life? We need to be careful about the things that we say. Because this is the type of statement that if you pray it and you try to live it out, you are going to be challenged and stretched in ways that you can never imagine. And so, I believe everything I am and everything I own belong to God. That statement's going to require you to step off of the throne of your own life and place God on that throne. It's going to require you to reprioritize everything. And so do you really believe that everything you are and own belongs to God? Every breath that you have belongs to God. And so when we follow Jesus, we take up our cross, we die to ourself, and that means that everything is back to him. But then this incredible thing happens. God takes that, and he hands it back to us, and he gives it back to us, to be managers of the things that he's given us. 
He's still owner. He's not giving up ownership, but he hands over to us something to be managed. And he certainly doesn't need what we have. He doesn't ask for us to give this to him because God needs something. Remember, he has it already. He created it. In Psalm chapter 50, it says, I have no need for a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? He's talking about the sacrifices there. He doesn't need the sacrifices given to him. Those are for our benefit, not for his. He doesn't need it. But he still talks about the need for us to be giving back a portion of what we have. And so in the Bible, this is called a tithe. The tithe is given over to God. And literally, a tithe is not just something you give. A tithe is 10%, and it's the first 10% that is given back. God made it very clear for for his people to be giving the tithe back. In Malachi, God makes a pretty big deal about the people not giving the tithe, not tithing. And he actually calls the people to test him in this act of giving. It says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, In tithes and offerings you are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So you're not giving the tithe, which means you're robbing God when you're not giving the tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. Test me on this. God says to test him on it. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And so God says to bring the whole tithe, bring all 10%, the full tenth, not some other percentage. And so today's message is not about tithing. We're going to take a little bit of a detour here and then get back on topic of stewardship. But, but I, w- I think it's important for us to talk a little bit about tithing because we have not talked about it specifically, um, at least since I've gotten here. And so what is it when we say this word tithe, when we say we're, we're tithing, what does that mean? The word tithe is to give 10%. And that becomes the baseline for biblical giving. It doesn't become a suggestion. It becomes a baseline. It doesn't become a maximum. It becomes a minimum. And so offerings that go above and beyond 10%, those become the offerings. And so you won't find a lot of specifics in the New Testament about this concept of tithing. But if you look at the teachings of Jesus, he has this tendency to take something from the old law and amplify it even more in in following him. And so you look at the Sermon on the Mount, for example, where, where you see he says the old law says don't murder, 
But with him, just being angry and hating somebody is equivalent to murder. Or the old law says, don't commit adultery. But even lust, under following Jesus, counts as adultery. And so would we think anything differently about this concept of tithing? That if the minimum requirement in the Old Testament is to give a tenth of what you make, what does that mean for what Jesus expects of us? What would he expect of, our, of us and our financing? So if, if that is the minimum standard, what do we need to be doing as followers of Jesus? Now, there are definitely cultural differences between what's in the Bible and today. The, the tithe went to the temple. Now, we don't have a temple to send the tithe to. We're in a different context. We're in, in different situations. So another issue becomes, where does the tithe go? There are a lot of groups out there. There are a lot of nonprofits. There are a variety of organizations that, that use the funds of Christians to be able to do great kingdom work throughout the world. And so those become important works for us to support. And so deciding for yourself where your tithes need to be going, we've got a minimum standard of, of the amount, and then we've got this uncertainty about where it needs to go. And unfortunately, the New Testament doesn't give us like this real cut and dry answer about what that, that is supposed to be. My conviction, and based on what we've been studying over the last several weeks, is God very much wants to use the church for his purposes. And so my personal conviction is a tithe is 10% of my gross income that goes to the local church. Now you can debate whether or not it's gross or net. You can debate whether or not sending it to some other relief organization or not. It, it counts. But it, it's, it's a matter of the heart. And so, so the giving is coming from the heart, is the overflow of the heart. That we give. Laura and I have had um, the, the personal conviction in our marriage for, for quite some time that, that the giving a tithe means 10% of the gross income to the local church. And we have exercised that for years, and we continue to exercise that here. That 10% of what we're making comes back to this church. And then any support of missions or other organizations outside of that is beyond that 10%. That's something that you and God need to spend some time on and pray about, God, what do you want to do through me, through my treasure? Now, this message is, is more, back, you know, get back on track now, this message is more than just about tithing specifically. It's more about our time, talent, and treasure and how we're stewards of that. God makes us managers of these things. But I know for, for, for Laura and I, there are often times where we look at our friends who have the new TV, they have the new car, they have the fancy vacation, and we wonder, why don't we have that? And then we go back and look at our budget and realize a huge chunk of what we're making is going to the church. More than a car payment, more than a vacation, is going back to the work of God in the local church. And so we've got to think about how we're using our resources. God doesn't need what we have. God is the one who created it, and so he doesn't need those things. But why does he ask us to give a portion back to what he's doing? Why does he ask us to do that? 
when we decided that we're going to be faithful to what God is calling us to, then we are able to have this incredible sense of purpose, this incredible sense of peace. If I'm investing in the kingdom, I now have a purpose that is outside of myself. And I know, Matt, and I know that no matter how little I have, I can trust that God has it all. And what great peace comes in that. And so the incredible thing about giving is, is that it's letting us join in the work of God. It's this incredible investment opportunity. It's not a burden. It's not an obligation. We are investing in the kingdom of God. Jesus says in Matthew 6, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That our, our treasure, that shows where our heart is. And our heart puts our treasure where our heart is, and it goes both ways. That if I invest in something, my heart starts to follow that thing. If I put a lot of money into something, that thing becomes very important to me, and I want to make sure that it succeeds. I have a heart for it. And in the same way, we can, we can look at our bank accounts, and we can see where our heart really is based on how we're spending and based on what we're using our resources for. And so when we really invest in something, our heart is there with it. But for this to happen, we have to give up the idea of ownership. We have to give up the idea that it's ours, that it's all God's. And so this is a key thing for us to remember today. God is the owner. We are the managers. God is the owner of it. We're just managers. Our name may be on the bank account, but we are just managers of that account. We're going to spend the rest of our time in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus tells us this story of, of these people who are given great resources, and he comes back and asks them how they're using their resources. Matthew chapter 25, let's start in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, uh, and to the another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. And so we have this story here where, where God is the one giving out the bags of gold. He, he gives these bags of gold out, and, and we place ourselves in this story as ones receiving these bags of gold. And not everybody gets the same bag. Not everybody gets the same amount. Everybody gets something different according to their abilities. And so it can be encouraging here that, that God is not asking you to accomplish these huge and, and incredible things. He's only asking you to be faithful with what you've been given. And we've all been given something different. We've been given different time, talent, and treasure. And he's saying, are you being faithful with those things? What has God given you? And so now I want you to take that piece of paper. Everybody's got a piece of paper. Kids, you can do this too. So take one of these pieces of paper, grab a pen or pencil. Hopefully there's plenty of things to write with, those horrible pencils. That was not on our list yesterday for our workday project of fixing those pencils. 
I want you to take this piece of paper. I want you to, I want you to write somewhere on this piece of paper these three different things and give you, some, give you some space to kind of brainstorm around these things. I want you to think about your time. I want you to think about your talent and think about your treasure. And spend just a moment brainstorming things that you have in each of those areas. What time do you have? What has God given you as far as your time? What are things that are maybe wasting your time? Think about your talents. What are the great gifts that God has given you? What are you really good at that nobody else is as good at? And what are the treasures that God's given you? It could be a house. It could be a car. It could be your bank account. It could be your job. It could be other resources that you have. What are your treasures? So spend a moment now going through time, talent, and treasure, just kind of listing out things that you have in those areas. You won't have to turn these in, by the way, so you can be honest. I'm going to continue the story, um, but as other things come to mind, go ahead and jot those down as you think about your time, your talent, and your treasure. Continuing in Matthew chapter 25, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. I've doubled it. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put, in your charge, uh, I will put, in, put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So we've got this first guy who, who he's given five bags of gold, and he goes and, and invests what has been given to him, and he doubles that investment. And the master says, well done. And then the second guy, he has two bags of gold, and he goes and doubles it and now has four. And the master says, well done. And, and because they have done such a good job with, with the things that have been given to them, he says, you will be entrusted with even more. You've been faithful with a little, and I'm going to give you even more. Because of your faithfulness, you'll be put in charge of more resources. But they had to be faithful with what they had. And so we look at this story and we see God may not be giving us more because we have not been faithful with what he has given us already. Until we're faithful with the little things that he's given us, whether it's the little things of time or talent or treasure, if, if we're not being faithful in those things, he may not be giving us more because we haven't really done much with what we've already been given. And so there is this judgment that happens here where, where Jesus is coming in and, and he is looking and seeing what his return on investment is. 
Now, it's not judgment of, of sins. That is a judgment that hangs on the cross. But there is this assessment of sorts that says, what have you done with the things that I've given you? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so there is this judgment that will happen, this, this assessment of, of, have you been faithful with the things that have been given to you? And the way we live on earth will affect eternity in some way. And now we continue the story with the third guy. And this is where it gets a little uncomfortable. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servants. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this falls into the category of really uncomfortable things that Jesus says. These hard sayings of Jesus. For he, he, he is saying here that the first guy didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't use what was given to him. He didn't use it for God's glory. And we want to make this say something else. But, but what it's saying here is that this third person, he did nothing in his life for God, and that is going to have consequences. And so there are many today who they claim to be Christian, but, but nothing about Christ motivates anything that they do from day to day. God has given them something, and they aren't using it. And so at judgment, this person is going to be exposed, possibly as even an unbeliever, because there are not tangible things that are coming out of their faith. Now, to be very clear, and we talked about this in the James series, where we talked about faith and works, our salvation does not come from works. That comes from Jesus on the cross. It comes from the free gift of God, the free gift of grace from God to us. And so we're not talking about a, a, an issue of salvation here, but, but we see here, in conjunction with other things that we see throughout Scripture, that there is some sort of connection between what we do in a tangible way that shows what's going on in our heart and shows our true faith and what we really believe in. And so if God is in you, there should be a tangible expression of that faith. And so I ask you, what bag of treasure has God given you? What you have written down on that card is a bit of your bag of treasure. 
Those are, the, the, those are the things that he has given you to use for his glory. Your time, your talent, your treasure. He's given that to you. God owns all of it. He, in, he owns that entire bag, but he's given it to us to be managers of that, to be stewards of those resources. And so when we come to him, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are sacrificing all of ourselves, every bit of us, every bit of our time, talent, and treasure. We are giving that back over to him. And we see in the, the incredible symbolism of baptism, this imagery of, of dying to self, washing everything away, and coming up into a brand new life. And in that new life, God hands over to us this bag of gold. He hands this over to us and says, now take your new life and go use these resources for my kingdom and my glory. The selfishness is gone. The self-centeredness is gone. And that becomes his. God makes us managers of it, of these resources. And we've all been given something different, and some of us have been given a lot less, and some of us have been given a lot more, and I'm not sure who the greater burden lies on. There are times that I read scripture, and I think having more is actually worse when you talk about the kingdom of God, because he flips everything upside down. But he has given us these resources. And so we have this belief statement for today. Join with me in saying this if you believe it. I believe everything I am and everything I own belong to God. Everything I am, everything I own. All of my time, not some of it. All of my talent, not some of it. All of my treasure, not some of it belongs to him and he has called me to be a manager of those resources what kind of manager are you how are you managing what he has given to you i want you to take that um, piece of paper now add to it anything that you've thought of any time talent or treasure that you want that you have I want you to fold that piece of paper into fourths, so it's a smaller square. I'm going to practice some basic geometry here. No. <laughs> so fold it into fourths. And our prayer time this morning is actually going to be around the communion tables. We've got communion set up uh, at tables around the auditorium, and we've got a table set up in the foyer if you want more space or more quiet. Uh, there's a table out there as well. It's Family Worship Sunday, so I'd encourage you to do this activity as a family. Um, get your kids together and, and families together, and it may be a, a biological family. It may be an adopted family. Maybe you want to go grab someone and say, hey, you're going to be my, my mom and dad for this activity, um, and, and we're going to do this as a family. Um, but but this, this exercise is going to be an opportunity for us to, to have a little bit of symbolism it's nothing magical, but some symbolism in these, these ideas of everything that I am being given over to God. And so we're going to go to the communion table with this piece of paper. 
And we are going to hand this paper over. We're going to go with, with hands open, holding that, and say, God, this is yours. It's not mine. That I, I've, I've been buried with you. I have sacrificed everything with you, and I come up new and different. And all of these things are yours. And so we go to the table in complete surrender, saying everything that we have, Everything that we own, all that we are, is his. And we go to the communion table, and we take of the bread, and we take of the cup, remembering the sacrifice on the cross that makes this transaction even possible. And then on the communion table, it's one of these little money bags. And I want you to, to put, after you've taken communion, at whatever pace you want to take it, Put that little piece of paper in here. Because this, this is the little bag of gold that God's given you. These are the treasures that he's given you. This is the talent and the time that he's given you. And then take that with you and use this as a prayer reminder. Hold on to this as, as, as a reminder that says, God is asking everything of me. Not just some of it. He's asking me to manage everything that he's given me. How am I managing it? How am I using these resources that he's given me? So I'll start with a prayer, and then you are free to, to get up and move. We'll spend a few minutes at this activity. Once you've, uh, maybe you want to wait for the line to die down. Maybe you want to kind of pace accordingly. Once you're done, if you can go back to your seats and, and just kind of quietly reflect on the treasure that God's given you and how you are being a steward of the things that he has given you. Let's stand together. After it seems like about most everybody's gone through the lines, we'll, uh, the praise team will lead us in a song, and then we'll, we'll move into the, the next things of, of our service together. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for all of the, the incredible gifts that you've given us. God, all of these things are given back to us to manage. And so, God, I pray that you will continue to show us ways that we are being good stewards and ways that we need to adjust our stewardship of the resources that you've given us. God, we thank you for this communion table. We thank you for Jesus and, and the opportunity that we have to even have this conversation with you. God, thank you for giving us everything through Jesus. And we remember that now as we we head to these tables to take of the bread and the cup. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.